0: Second service, man. He will not fail us, man. We put our faith and trust in him. It's great to see you today. Welcome those of you on the live stream, man. Appreciate you guys tuning in with us today. And can we stop just a moment? I was thinking about these baptisms we had this morning, uh, a brother and a sister giving their lives to Christ and letting the world know that they're uh, followers of Jesus Christ, lambs. their names written in the Lamb books of life, man. Can we just give God a little bit of glory for uh, saving them and their faith and being an example to Congratulations to them and their family. That was that was awesome to be able to be a part of. But I'm excited to be here today. We're starting a new series today called Rooted. Aaron talked a little bit about that in the video. And uh, so to kick it off, I'm going to look at a passage of Scripture, see what God might want to say to us today from the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, open up to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 6, Colossians chapter 2. The book of Colossians written by Paul, the apostle from a prison cell in Rome. And the interesting thing is he had never been to the town of Colossae. He hadn't planted the church. He had never even been there. Uh, the, the church was actually planted by someone uh, named Epaphras, and Epaphras had gotten saved under Paul's ministry in Ephesus. It was about 100 miles away, and uh, Paul was there preaching, and he gave his life to Jesus in Ephesus and wanted to go back to his hometown and tell him about Jesus. So he went to the town of Colossae and started telling him about Jesus and why up planting this church, and then Paul winds up writing a letter to the Town of Colossae, the church in Colossae, and it's known as the book of Colossians. And today we're going to look at chapter two, one of the key verses in the entire Bible. Now we're just finishing up a a series called What If. We're looking at the life of Gideon. And when I started that that, that series on on, uh, Gideon asking what if, here's my first question What if God wants to use you? What if God wants to use you to be a blessing to someone else spiritually? And sometimes when people hear that, they think, well, God could never use me because I don't, I, I'm do not i too young or I'm too old or I'm not spiritual enough or whatever. But the story, the, the reality is in the Bible, God is always using the most unlikely people, right? And you can see this in the life of Gideon. Gideon was just a farmer and yet God used him to deliver the entire nation of Israel. Or you can see it in the book of Colossae, Colossians where this guy's Epaphras, just a normal guy, hears the gospel and God uses him To start a church in Colossians that we're still reading about today. God just has a way of using the most unlikely people when we give our lives to Him and allow Him to do that. And so I'm going to ask you a question What if God wants to use you, but what if I'm not just talking about one thing? What if God wants to use you not one time, but what if God wants to use you for a lifetime? What if God wants to use you to be a blessing to other people for a lifetime? Right? And I'm not talking about a change in location or a change in vocation. I'm talking about right where you're at. What if God just wants to use you for a lifetime? And it wouldn't require a change of job or it wouldn't require just just right where you're at. What it would change would be a change in your thinking about why you're here on this earth. Because we have this tendency to think, well, we're just here for us. Well, what if you're not here for us as a believer? What if God has something more? For you than just yourself. Who wants to get to the end of their life and think, man, I spent my entire life and every dollar that I made for a whole entire lifetime, I spent it all on myself or my family? Or if you get to the end of your life and said, every minute and every hour that God gave me for an entire lifetime, I spent it all on myself. What if God's got a different reason for you to be in existence? What if He has more for you? What if the reason you're a believer is because God has more? for you. And maybe that's really where you find life, right? So a couple of years ago, I went on this trip down the Pecos River. And uh, basically, we, we canoed, kayaked down the Pecos River. And, and if you ever do it, you, you drop in this little town called Pandale, which is out in the middle of the desert in Texas. And it's a 60-mile trip from Pandale to Lake Amstead. 60 miles. Takes you about four days, about 15 miles a day, and I went down it, uh, me and Quinn Bannister, the coffee shop Quinn in there, Colin Rosser, who's our missionary Uganda, uh, my son-in-law, Scott Irvin, a couple other guys, Clay and Wes White were kind of our guides, but the thing about this trip, I, I'd heard, of, somebody had told me about it, and, and I kind of knew about it, but once you you know, once you take this trip, once you start, there's no turning back. I mean, you start, and then you go down, and there's no way to get out of this river once you start. There's no roads, there's no bridges, there's no cell service, and the, the walls are like 50, 100 foot tall on both sides of you. You just got to go all the way down to the end. And this, this particular person came along and invited me to go. And when he invited me to go, I didn't know if I could do it or not. I was like, man, I don't even know. I don't know what will happen. I don't know what it will be like. I don't know if I can even paddle for 60 miles. I, I don't even know. But uh, it sounded like a great adventure. So I said, okay, I'll go. And it turned out to be absolutely incredible, man. Once you're out in the middle of nowhere for four days and uh, the water's perfectly clear, it's cold, it's rolling. And at night, you can see the stars like there's no light, you know, pollution. You see the stars. It turned out to be incredible, but I never would have known unless I had gone. And this is in a sense what Jesus invites you to do. Jesus comes into your life and invites you to go on an adventure with him. And he basically says, come follow me. Jesus says to you this morning, this is your invitation, come follow Jesus. He says, come follow me. He doesn't tell you where, He doesn't tell you how long. He doesn't tell you how far. He doesn't tell you how hard. He doesn't tell you what cost. He doesn't say what direction. He just says, come follow me. That's his invitation. It's just an invitation to the adventure of a lifetime. It's the same invitation he gave to the apostle Peter. It's the same invitation he gave to Matthew, the tax collector. It's the same invitation he gave to Paul, the apostle. It's just an opportunity but if you're willing to seize it, he wants to take you on a journey, all right? That'll be the greatest adventure you've ever gone on, all right? And this is really what Paul's talking about in the book of Colossians, all right? It's gonna require some effort. It's kinda of like, it's kind of like the, the, the float trip down the, the Pecos. It was real easy to get started. But man, it took a lot of effort to get to the end have to pretty much paddle the whole time it's easy to start but it takes a lot of effort to really do what God wants you to to make that trip well this is the way it was following Jesus by grace the price has already been paid on the cross you give your life to Jesus he saves you immediately but man to do what God wants you to do takes a lot of effort all right and this is what Paul's talking about in chapter 2 of Colossians so this is chapter 2 verse 6 Paul says to us so then just as you have received christ jesus as lord continue to live in him or continue to walk in him being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were overtaught just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude so then just as you have received christ jesus lord continue to walk in him how do you continue to walk how do you go on in your journey on to maturity to to be a, a follower of jesus four words he gives us being rooted built up established in the faith and overflowing with gratitude just as you received jesus you should continue in your walk with jesus you might be here today and say man i really want to go on with jesus i really want to grow i really want to be used i just don't know how to do it all right I just don't know how to start. I don't know what to do next, man. I come to church, what's next for me? And this is really what this Rooted series is about. So there's a book that goes along with it. Aaron showed it on the video. There's a book, and in that book, there are what's known as the seven rhythms of life, seven things that all of us ought to be doing in our Christian life. So I'm gonna throw this up on the screen. And so we've got a slide of it. Seven, what are known as the seven rhythms. You'll see this and you get in this book. Daily devotion, spending time in the word each day, prayer, learning how to pray, repentance or freedom from sin in your life, how Jesus wants to set you free, serve your community, sacrificial generosity, the ability to share your story and then worship or celebration. That these seven things ought to be evident in your life, as you begin to spend time in the word, spend time in prayer, serve the community, all these things, God begins to use them in your life to make you more like Jesus. So if that's you and you really wanna grow, here's kind of what Aaron was saying, here's what we're gonna try to do. Number one, you need to get a book. Book costs you about 17 bucks. If you don't have it, say, I don't have it, I'll pay you next month, Or, or can you just give it to me? I don't have the money, you can get it out there. Get a book and then do it somehow in community find somebody that can hold you accountable that you can talk about what you learn that week. So you can do that through a community life group. We've got like 25 of those. You can join one. You can start one of your own. You can just find somebody you actually like and just meet with them once a week, right? Start a college group, do something in your high school, Get some guys that you work with just together. Hey, once a week, would you just meet with me? Let's do this book study together, preaching on Sunday morning. Come to church. Ten weeks. Get the book. Get in community. Come to church. It's a ten-week opportunity to give your life to Jesus. It's not a book on how to grow in Jesus. It's a book designed that you might experience Jesus as you do it. Paul says you should continue in your walk with him by being rooted All right, Colossians chapter two, verse seven, being rooted, it's an agricultural term. It's the idea of something that's been planted and rooted. We see this in Psalm chapter one, uh, verse three. Let me throw that up on the screen. Psalm chapter one, verse three, it's like a, a righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and where leaf does not wither, whatever they do is you prosper. So you think about the gospel. The gospel is actually like a seed. It has life within it, and it gets planted in your life. You somehow hear the good news about Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin, was buried three days later, rose again to newness of life, and offers you life if you trust in him. When you hear the gospel, It's like a seed that gets planted in you. When you believe it, respond to it, and act upon it, it takes root within your life and begins to put down roots in your life. And as you allow yourself to be rooted and established, the gospel begins to grow in your life and it begins to bear fruit, all right? And this fruit makes your life better and other people, it becomes the evidence of your life. It begins to change how you live from the inside out. So this is, you think about the parable of the sower and seed in Luke 8, most famous parable in the Bible. The sower went out to sow. He's throwing his seed everywhere. Some of it falls on a path and the birds eat it. Some falls on shallow soil and it, and it, it doesn't put down any root. So it gets choked, you know, it, it, the sun comes out and it dies off. Some gets choked out by the, the thorn. Some falls on good soil and bears fruit and then well, you know they said it's like, what's that mean Jesus he says man it's the the seed is the word of God and it's just people cast it out there and some people hear it but don't do anything with it and the devil comes and takes it away and it doesn't do them any good and some people accept it but they don't put down any roots and so when the trials of life comes it takes them out some get choked out by the cares of the world but some some go on, it says in Acts chapter eight, or Luke chapter eight, verse 14, but the seed in the good ground, those are the ones who have heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring pr- produce fruit. God wants to produce fruit in your life. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to be blessed. God wants to bear fruit in your life that can be a blessing to other people. Now, I just wanna say something about this and actually mentioned it earlier sometimes we think, well, I can flourish as a Christian if I can just change my circumstances. The problem is my circumstances. So we're always wanting to change. Man, if I, could just, if I could just get my driver's license, things will be better. If I can just graduate from high school, man, get off to college, things will be better. If I can just graduate from college, things will be better. If I could just get married, things would be better. If, cha- if things work would just change for me, things would be better. If I could just make more money, things would be better. If my relationship with my spouse was just better, my life would be better. If I could just get over this health issue in my life right now, things would be better. The gospel says God wants you to flourish right where you're at. He wants to help you right where you're at. He wants to work in the situation that you're in that you can flourish even when things are difficult because we're not talking about outward change. We're talking about an inward change. God wants to do something in you that bear fruits in your life that is not based upon the circumstances that you find yourself in. Like when you have something that's alive, you can actually help, help it grow, right? There's things you can do. If you have a plant, there's things you can do to help that plant grow like there's kind of a craze out there right now that says man we spend a lot of water and stuff on our lawns so maybe you should just plow up your lawn and plant a garden and you get some good out of your front yard I've got a little experience with gardens my dad used to plant a garden when I was a kid this is humongous garden man we planted this huge garden like 60 tomato plants potato plants okra onions radishes lettuce cantaloupe watermelon, cucumbers, you name it, green beans. We planted it in this garden. I'm just going to tell you, man, garden takes a lot of work. And if you don't take care of it, man, it's going to look terrible. You'll be wishing you had grass back in your front yard, right? I mean, man, we we would work on this garden all the time. In the summer, we'd go eat dinner, and then we would go back and work on the garden. Because my dad just believed if the sun was still up, you should still be working In fact, he'd kick in an extra 30 minutes with the headlights of the pickup. Dude, turn the headlights on. We'd get an extra 30 minutes in, right? We'd go to that garden, man. You have have to water it, fertilize it, hoe it, pull weeds, pick bugs, pick fruit. We worked on that thing all the time. But if if you work on a garden, it will bear fruit. There's things you can do, man. Well, that's the same way it is in your life. God's the one that causes the growth within you. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But there's things you can do, right, to help you grow, to help you get rooted, help you get established, spend time in the word every day, spend time in prayer, come to church, get in community. Those things that you do put you in a position where God can work in your life, right? You do the right thing. God wants you to be rooted in him. Him, he he says, if you want to continue in your life, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up, where rooted is an agricultural term, built up, being built up is an architectural term. Jesus is a foundation. We're to build a building on top of that, right? Now, I've built a lot of stuff in my life. Most of the time, I don't make a plan. I just start. Anytime you build something without a plan, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to have to make like 50 trips 50 trips to Lowe's or Home Depot, all right? Because, oh, I forgot that. I should have got that. Oh, I need a different one of those. Oh, I need this. 50 trips later. And then when it gets built, it never does look quite right. It really wasn't what I thought. Or it doesn't work quite right. Why? Because you didn't follow a plan. I'm just saying the Rooted Series is a plan so you can build your life so that you can bear fruit. God wants you to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. Established in the faith as you were taught. How were they taught? They were taught by the word of God. To grow in Jesus, you have to spend time in the word of God. Why does Paul tell us all to do this? Why does God tell us to do this? Here's the reason. Because God's got more for you. He's got a reason that he saved you, a person. He's called you for a reason, okay? Like when I first came to San Angelo, I came to San Angelo, we, Cindy and I, we moved here from Houston. So just let me see, how many people have ever been to Houston before, all right? Okay, you know what they have in Houston? They have trees. They have trees in Houston and they have rain in Houston. You know what they don't have in San Angelo? Trees and rain, like we need to pray that it would rain in St. Angelo. I lived, we lived in Houston where it rained all the time, huge pine trees, we moved to St. Angelo. When I came out here to interview, I'd never even been to St. Angelo. I was called to St. Angelo, so I came. When I got to San Angelo, I'm gonna be honest with you, I thought I had reached the end of the earth, all right? We, <laughs> we were just like, where God did you bring us to out here in West Texas? And I got here June the first, twenty-five years ago. All right? When I got here on June the first, I was a youth pastor. I already had to go to a camp in the summer. We had a lady in the church who was a founding member. Her name was Dorothy Mazouk. And the people had already told me, if Dorothy asks you to do anything, you just should do it. Dorothy says, I'm taking a mission trip to old Mexico. You need to bring the youth group and go along. I said, Great. Let's go. So we went to Fabens. We were staying in Fabens, Texas. Fabens is about 15 miles this side of El Paso. All right? How many people have ever been to El Paso? It's a pleasant drive, isn't it? (laughs) Dude, if you think you're at the end of the earth in San Angelo, you've yet to go to El Paso. All right? (laughs) Because Fabens, Texas is the end of the earth if you've ever gone there, man. They have trees in Houston. They actually have trees in San Angelo. By the time you get to El Paso, they're just shrubs. They don't even have trees. They're all like this tall and dirt. It's in the middle of nowhere. We took our whole youth group down there at the time, all right, and we get to Fabens. They put us up in a hotel because the church that we normally would have stayed was full. To say it was a hotel was like a stretch, all right? And my whole youth group, including me, was completely freaked out. We walked down to First Baptist Church Fabians, and we were all just like, we're not going to make it this year, you know? And one thing they do have in El Paso, though, are mesquite trees. They're not very tall, but there's a lot of them, and they do very well. And I was like, dude, those mesquite trees are doing pretty good. So I set the whole youth group down on the front steps of First Baptist Church, because I could tell they were about to leave me. I said, look, man, we didn't come down here just to survive. That was kinda everybody's mentality. We just gotta survive the week. We just gotta survive. I said, look, man, we didn't come down here just to survive. Dude, we came down here, we're gonna be like the mesquite tree, dude. We come down here to thrive. We got a mission trip. We're gonna go into old Mexico and do two day camps a day, two VBSs. You know what, man? God's called us down here. We didn't come down here to survive. We came down here to thrive, man. We're gonna take the name of Jesus in there and we're gonna be the best group of kids we can be and we're gonna be a blessing to those kids. It was, like a, it was like a word for our whole youth group. It was like a word for me, man. Hey, look, God didn't put you on this world just to survive. He didn't drop you into your life so you could just survive. He didn't drop you in here so I can just survive this world so I can go to heaven when I die. No, he's got something for you. He's got a call on your life. If you're in the men's ministry, man, we've been studying the book of Romans. Romans begins like this. Romans chapter one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, called as an apostle. Here's Paul, Paul's a persecutor of the church, man. He was a Pharisee. He was having people put in jail because they were following Jesus. He learned that some believers had escaped to Damascus. He gets permission to leave Jerusalem, to go to Damascus, to have him rested. On his way to Damascus, Jesus shows up, knocks him off his horse as a light, blinds him, knocks him to the ground and asks him a question. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, dude, I don't even know who you are. Who are you, Lord? Acts chapter nine, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up and go into town and do and I'll tell you what you should do. Saul gets up, he's blind. He has to be led into town to Damascus. Guy shows up and says, here's what. God's calling you to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm calling you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul, Paul, Saul would never have believed a Gentile could even be saved. I'm calling you to take the gospel to the Gentiles And Saul says, I'll go. Come follow me, Jesus says, and Saul says, I'll go. Think of all the stuff the apostle Paul got to see, all the places he got to go. I mean, he goes from Jerusalem to Antioch. He spends three years in the meantime getting his theology right. So he spends his time getting rooted and established and built up. He goes to Antioch, from there he goes all the way across Turkey, plants churches all across modern day Turkey. First got to take the gospel into Europe. He goes to the town of Philippi. While he's in Philippi, he leaves his slave girl to the Lord. He gets arrested because of it and thrown in jail. That night about midnight, he's in jail. That's not a good circumstance, but you got Paul and Silas in there praising God about midnight. And all at once, God sends an earthquake that shakes so hard that the doors of the jailhouse swing open and their chains fall off. It's a physical picture of what Jesus did for Saul spiritually when he died on the cross to set him free. Paul was free to leave the jail, but instead he stuck around and led the jailer to the Lord instead. He goes to Ephesus and starts to have a revival in Ephesus so great that the people in a town had a big fire in the middle of the city and started burning all their magic and occultic books. And it says that they estimated that the price of the books that night were 50,000 pieces of silver. You know how much that is? That's 150 men's annual wage it'd be about five million dollars in modern terms burn them in the middle of the street because of what jesus was doing in her life he goes to troas a kid falls out of a third story window because he's preaching too long and gets dies and paul goes down there and brings the guy back to life you could go on and on you think about all the stuff that paul he took the gospel to rome to the ends of the earth he writes two-thirds of the new testament why all because he accepted the call of god on his life. That's what Jesus called him to do. Now, you know what's even more amazing than that? It says in Romans chapter five, through him, Jesus, we have received grace. It's easy to get started with the Jesus thing and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you, believer, who are also called by Jesus Christ. Just like Paul had a call in his life, Jesus has a call on your life. The question is, man, are you going to answer the call? Are you going to allow yourself to be rooted, built up, established, overflowing in gratitude so that God can do through you what he wants to do so that he'll be glorified in the way that you live your life? Overflowing in gratitude. Why would God ask us or why would Paul ask us? to do that. And the reason is because of what Jesus has already done for you. When you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, how he delivered you, saved you, brought you out of the dominion of darkness, and set you free, and whatever he asks you to do, you gotta say, hey, I'm willing to do that for you. And when you begin to serve God, not only does he save you, forgive you, he grants you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Now sometimes, for a lot of times, I build the Holy Spirit like this. It's like me coming to God with my little silver cup, going, hey God, could you fill me up with the Holy Spirit? Would you just give me a cup full? Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can be full? But the Holy Spirit isn't given to you just so you can be filled. It's not like you're the Dead Sea. Everything comes in and nothing goes out. The Holy Spirit, it comes into you so it can go through you so it can be a blessing to another person. And the more you get in on Jesus and allow Jesus to work in your life, the more the Holy Spirit that comes in you goes through you. It says in John chapter 8 that at some point out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We're talking about a river of the Holy Spirit that is overflowing. You know what happens when something overflows? It splashes on on other people and they get blessed just by you being in the room. God wants to so fill you up with the Holy Spirit that is overflowing of gratitude in your life that God is using you to be a blessing to other people no matter where you're at or what your situation is. Why, because God wants you to be rooted, built up, established, overflowing in gratitude that people around you are blessed because of what Jesus is doing in you. I'm just here to say, man, Jesus wants to do something in you. And all I'm asking you to do, man, as we close out, I'm gonna bring the band back up here and we're gonna just express a little bit of gratitude before we leave, is this, man. For all the believers in the room, Man, would you be willing to give Jesus 10 weeks of your life? Would you be willing to just give him the next 10 weeks? I gave Jesus two weeks of my life one time. And he never stopped. I wonder if you could give him 10. I'll give you the next 10 weeks of my life, Jesus. I'll do what you ask me to do that I might be rooted, that I might be built up that I might be established, that I might experience overflowing of gratitude in my life. Would you consider giving him 10 weeks? Secondly, if you're a non-believer in this room, why not today? Why not today? Why not right where you're at, you just say, man, today I'm turning from my sin and I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm following Jesus, man. Wherever he wants me to go, that's where I'll go. I'm gonna ask if you would stand with me. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna close out with this last song. We always have people that pray on either side. If you'd like to come down, maybe you just need to take a step of faith and come down and ask somebody to pray for you. I'll be happy to pray for you. I wanna pray that God will do something spectacular in your life, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to be rooted and built up, established, that out of your life, overflow of gratitude splashes out impacts other people that you're around your family members people you work with people you go to church with overflowing with gratitude yeah there's a lot of things in this world that's not going right but man jesus is not one of them father i pray for every person in this room god today would be the day for all the people that never trusted in christ might today be their day they're set free their chains fall off prison doors fly open free to walk in you for the believers in this room. God, would you help us commit ourselves to being rooted, to being established, to being built up, to overflowing with gratitude. We'd be known as a church of people that are grateful for what you've done for us in spite of the world in which we live. Jesus, we have a promise. We have a hope. We have a future. Might we celebrate that today, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.